Jamie Kern Lima went from waiting tables at Denny's to selling her cosmetics company for more than a billion dollars. But this success didn't happen overnight. Jamie was driven by the desire to help create makeup products that would cover her rosacea, a lifelong skin condition that had plagued her and many other women. Wanting to do something different when it came time to launch her products, she decided to appear on national television without any makeup on at all to show how well her products worked. And she insisted on using real women as her models. What was unheard of at the time quickly paid off in a big, big way. In this episode, Jamie testifies of the importance of believing in yourself and why being a mom is harder than being a CEO of a billion dollar company. And she's here to tell us why we need to stop wasting time on stuff that doesn't matter. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? Well, we are women supporting women, and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast, brought to you by Chatbooks. Hello, hello, Jamie. How are you? So good. Thank you. So happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Vanessa. Well, I woke up this morning, and I put my CC cream on and my bye-bye under eye, and I am feeling good and ready to learn from you. I just finished reading your book last night. Believe it. How to go from underestimated to unstoppable. And I'm kind of feeling like we're best friends now. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Well, we're all in this together. And I think that's the power of story. It's really why I wanted to write the book, right? I think like when we all really share like the real stuff, the stories behind the stories, it helps us feel less alone in all the things we're going through and more enough and more unstoppable and all those things. One thing that I have learned by reading your book is you are one of the hardest working moms, I'd say, in the world. A hundred hour weeks? You mm. you put in a hundred hour weeks. Are you still keeping up that pace? How did you do it? What was it like? How did you survive? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. In building my own business, right? I started with this huge dream, launched this this company in my living room, didn't realize how hard it was going to be. <laughs> didn't realize how, you know, if you can't afford to hire anyone else, you have to figure out how to do it all on your own and, and just get really scrappy. And what happened in my journey and really why I wanted to write this book was to share all the stuff I did right, but also all the stuff I did wrong. And when I look back at everything that happened, you know, one of the things, I mean, working myself to the point of burnout for a number of years, I don't think I had to do that. A lot of people think, oh, but you sold your business for a billion dollars. And, but like, I didn't have to do that. That was, I think, something I would do differently if I could do it over again. But my own journey was, you know, launching this business in my living room. A lot of people see the outcome today, right? They're like, oh, wow, it it cosmetics. But the first three years of the journey was really every single retailer saying no, every beauty expert saying no, you know, they didn't, they didn't like my packaging or they didn't think the, that people would buy makeup from models that were real women, or, you know, they wanted me to change who I was. And it was just no after no, after no, after no. And so for three years of hearing hundreds and hundreds of no's, you know, we got down to under a thousand dollars in our bank account and all those things, our company and personal one combined. And when we finally started getting traction and getting success, I think that I almost couldn't believe it for a while. I went through a big season of imposter syndrome where I thought, oh my gosh, like we're selling really well. I've got to strike while the iron's hot. Like I can't believe this is happening. And all of a sudden everyone wants us. And I ended up just going to complete 100-hour weeks for almost a decade until I really realized the, the price you pay for that. And 
I don't think even to have the outcome we had, I needed to have done that. So it's actually one thing I would do differently. I'd be a better owner of a body. (laughs) I'd be a better partner and friend and family member and all those things for sure. Well, one of the things that you say in your book is I'm a CEO of a billionaire company and I'm a mom and being a mom is harder. I know you are a new mom. How old is your baby now? Yeah, and it was a 10-year journey. You know, I've never shared these things. And I think, you know, no one in it cosmetics knew the stuff I was going through with infertility and with miscarriages and with the journey of, of trying to have our, our baby. And even I found out by surprise, I was adopted in my late 20s and just all of that stuff. And it was all kind of happening in parallel to, try, to, to building this business. And anyways, we eventually looked into adoption and surrogacy and we had our daughter wonder be a surrogate. And so she is two and a half years old. And then we just had our son Wilder, uh, who's now 10 months old. And so yeah, two little nuggets, two little ones. And she's a total boss. Like, it's so funny. My husband and I, we always are like, I feel bad for whoever works for her one day. Um, she's like, no joke. And then my son is like behind on all his milestones, but he's so happy and he's, he's just, just chilling. He has, <laughs> yeah. He has no desire to walk right now or crawl. Even he, he rolls. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, he's happy. I'm good. Yeah. Wonder and Wilder. Those are great names. I love it. You know, families can be formed in all kinds of different ways. You know, I'm the oldest of 12 kids. My mom had 10, adopted two. I was lucky to have seven of my own children. But I know I, know. I was going <laughs> to ask you, how is seven? How is seven? Oh, it's <laughs> wonderful. I love it. Love it so much. But that statement you made about how being a mom is harder than anything else. I mean, that is so true for me. Now that you have two little ones and you're still CEO of this billion dollar business, how do you do it? Well, I, I'm grateful actually that for me, I'm having kids a little bit later in life because I have learned enough about myself to realize really quickly, oh, there's a lot of stuff I don't want to repeat. A lot of patterns I don't want to repeat. A lot of things I need to work on myself to make sure I don't pass these things down to my kids, right? And that's one of the reasons I think being a mom, one of the many reasons I say being a mom is way harder than being CEO of a billion dollar company. Here's what I mean by that. You know, when I was growing up, my parents worked really, really hard and they always had the best intentions, the best hearts, but they were gone a lot. They were, they always kind of prioritized work over everything. So I'd be like at gymnastics practice and all the other kids and our parents there and I didn't. And, you know, I didn't really realize like for me, it turned into kind of a thing where I I realized I started achieving things because when I like achieved something big, they would show up. Right. And I, I didn't realize this pattern until later in life. And, you know, I had to make this really tough decision to trust myself, to not trust myself. And this is what I mean about this. I found 10 years into doing 100-hour weeks of It Cosmetics that I, I realized I got to this point, Vanessa, where every time my husband, Paula, would call because we worked together, I realized when I saw my phone ring with his name on it, I equated it as a work call because oh, like, all we yeah. did was work. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually addicted to work. And I realized I was repeating something that I, I had learned growing up as well. And so, so I started doing work on, on myself. And what I mean by that is just learning about how like even busyness or work addiction is kind of like any other addiction. It separates you from you. It can be numbing. 
I realized, and our company was doing so well. We'd become the largest, you know, makeup company in the country, all these things, the biggest beauty brand in QVC's history, all these things I could have never imagined possible. And, and we were considering going public and taking the company public. And I thought, like all the sexiness of that, oh, I get to ring the bell and all those things, but I would still be running the business day to day if we went public. And part of why we actually made the decision to sell the business to L'Oreal was because I knew if I stayed running it forever, I, I almost had to learn to trust myself, not to trust myself. I didn't want to spend another decade addicted to work. And so, you know, it's part of why we started doing meetings and we eventually L'Oreal bought our company. It was their largest U.S. acquisition in history. They made me the first woman to hold a CEO title of a brand in their hundred plus year history. And it was a beautiful experience because they have teams everywhere globally. They could take our mission and all of those things. And I then started the process of going, okay, I don't want to pass on these traits to my kids. I don't want to show up in all the same ways my parents did. And it's been a journey. It's been a journey. And I made the really tough decision to step away from It Cosmetics and to write this book because I felt like I just felt God tell me like you're supposed to serve at a higher level than you've even done before and everything you went through. I feel like all of us, everything we go through, if we really share it, it can be about something so much bigger than ourselves and it can save someone else nights crying themselves to sleep or save someone else tons of self-doubt or time or money. And so I made the decision to write this book, to donate a hundred percent of the proceeds of it to Feeding America and Together Rising and to also just really, really do the work on, and and this is going to sound strange, but almost healing the stuff that I think will prevent me from being the best parent I can be. And I'm in the midst of doing that now. There's still times, Vanessa, to be totally honest, where I'll like be with my kiddos and I, and I'm tempted to work. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Almost like I'd rather, and I'm like, no, I have to check myself. I have to unlearn some of those things. And I think it's a lifelong journey for all of us on, on how to really truly become all of who we are and the person we want to show up as in the world, whether it's for our kids or our family or our friends or everyone else or ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) I know it's almost not enough to just coast through life on what you've learned and what you've seen. Like we've got to be conscious of what we want most and make it happen. And and one of the things that you say in the book, and I love when you say this, is work-life balance is a lie. Because that's one of the questions I get asked the most as a mother of seven and the founder of a business. It's like, how do you balance it all? And I'm like, no, you don't. It doesn't happen. (laughs) You say something has to give. And so for those years as you were building the business, you gave it all and more, more than your body even was able to give. And I'm so happy for you that you're in this point right now where you can take a deep breath, reflect, do some work, and then share a story that is going to be so uplifting and helpful to so many. In the book, you talk about meeting Meg Whitman at a party and Mm -hmm. how impactful that was for you. You asked her a question. Can you tell us what is that question and what was the takeaway on her answer? Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking that I was in the middle of this conversation about you know, women and, and body image and all these things. After L'Oreal acquired It Cosmetics, I started getting invited to all of these parties, parties that are different than anything I grew up going to, <laughs> like all the Oscar parties and 
you go into them and there's all the celebrities and all the things. And anyways, usually in those environments, I just walk in and I actually never get starstruck by anyone. I usually just say a prayer that like whoever I'm supposed to meet or maybe whoever I'm supposed to serve. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like that. sometimes, right. The person that maybe just needs to be reminded they matter. And and maybe they're an A-list celebrity, but maybe they're not. Maybe there's someone that's working at the event. Like you just never know. And I try to walk into those just in, with that intention. And so I was at this party and talking with one of the heads of L'Oreal about the idea of body confidence and how so many women, even women that are so accomplished in their families or their church or their faith or their careers in the middle of a story, about a woman I had just met who um, is a lawyer and an Ivy League law professor. And she says to me, with all her accomplishments, she says she has more degrees than a thermometer was the word she used. And she said she still every single day judges her own self-worth based on what dress size she fits in. Uh, and she says that she's devastated about it, worried she's going to pass it on to her daughter. And we were just in this big conversation about it. So I'm sitting there talking with the head of L'Oreal about this. And all of a sudden, there's Meg Whitman, who is you know, one of the most successful businesswomen in the country and has been CEO of so many huge companies. So of course, there's all these A-list celebrities and I'm kind of like not starstruck, but then I see yeah, I someone would be too. who's done so much <laughs> in business and I'm like, oh, Meg Whitman. And, and I'd never met her before. And long story short, and the head of L'Oreal knew her, introduced us. And so we're talking and I, I'm an introvert at, at parties and I like, I like bringing extrovert friends who hold on to conversations because I'm so bad at small talk and I just get so introvert. Anyways, so I didn't know what to say when she said hi. And all of a sudden I blurted out of my mouth, Meg, <laughs> have you ever worried about like body image stuff? Like you've accomplished everything, but you know, and I, I explained to her that story of the friend that I was just talking with and, and I was just like, you know, I just feel like so many women waste so much time and energy thinking about this. And has that ever affected you in your life? Right. And meanwhile, there's a long pause. And I was like, oh, oh no. no. Bad, bad question. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And um, then all of a sudden, you know, because I asked her, have you ever worried about body stuff? Does that, does that affect you at all? And, and she just like, it was a long pause. And then she, she just looked at me. She says, no. She goes, no, she goes, something has to give. And she said, I have really focused on raising my kids and, and building my career. So my house does not look like the way Martha Stewart might. And I just don't worry about body image stuff. She goes, something has to give. Yeah. And I, and it hit me for a minute. And there's a famous quote that, you know, anything we spend time on comes at the price of something else, Right anything. And, and that's true of our time or our energy at all. And it, it hit me this idea that, oh my goodness, how many minutes slash hours slash days slash years of my life have I wasted worrying about things that really don't serve me or the world? Like, like when I think about just ridiculous things, like what size I fit into or what diet I'm going to try for me personally, or just how I don't want to go to a high school reunion because I don't fit into anything. Just little thoughts like that, that we have. And just what a waste of time that is and energy. 
that could be going to, and this is a huge issue for people in general, but especially girls and women. Imagine balling up all that time together. And what could that have gone to in my life? A cause I believe in, education, career, contribution. So it just was a huge aha moment for me. And I talk a lot about this in the book and I really encourage everyone to do inventory of the way we use our thoughts, our energy. Usually it's a, it's oftentimes in a way that doesn't serve us. Right. And I think especially for mothers too, nothing really prepares you for motherhood. And so you're, you're mm. constantly looking to other people like, is this how we do it? Is that how kids are supposed to behave? Like, am I doing this okay? And so sometimes we're so focused on doing it right that we're not just being truly us. And I am a firm believer that Mm. we are the perfect mom for our kids. Like we have everything that they need, but sometimes we spend so much time looking outward for the answers when we've got them all right here. And I love how you've referenced praying for guidance. I really believe that like God is in this work too, and he will let you know that you're doing okay. I, I agree with you so much on what you just said. I think it's so important what you just said, because like you look at all the research and the studies, they all show that, you know, typically not to talk about men and women, but that men will make a decision confidently, but that women, even though we have a knowing and and an intuition, sometimes it's how we hear God. Sometimes it's just our own, right? Like we just have that, that knowing of what's right for us or what's right to do as a mom. But all these studies show that as women, instead of trusting our knowing, we try to get consensus and we ask everyone else around us. And I just think that I, I agree with everything you just said. And I think two important things, I think as moms, trusting that knowing inside of us, um, as moms and as women and as human beings and as friends, right? Like trusting that knowing inside of us. I agree with you. I think it's always right. And then I also think the other important part about this is being aware of this whole thing about how women need consensus everywhere. So when you see another mom show up differently than you might, don't judge her. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like just love her and just give her that grace. I think both of those things need to happen collectively as women. You also tell a story in the book about meeting another powerful, influential woman, Michelle Obama, and something that she said to you that kind of illustrates what you're saying, right? What was it that she said? Yes, I was at this event and, and going to meet Michelle and in the minutes before meeting her. And I, I try to do this. I was like, you know, cause I've, I've been in the spot with everything building with a cosmetics where we'll have um, the blessing of hundreds of customers showing up to an event, waiting in line to meet me and the team. And so I've been in the spot before and I was watching Michelle at this event with all these people meeting her and they're meeting her crying, sobbing their eyes out. And I just thought, Oh wow. You know what? Instead of me, saying something about me. I prayed for just words that maybe if she was tired, the way I know that sometimes those events can be, maybe I could um, say something that actually was of service to her, that actually filled her up and energized her. So I'm sitting there so focused in line about what am I going to say to her is praying for the right words. And when I walked up to her before I even opened my mouth, she just blurted out, you have such a light inside of you. And I literally was like in shock. It took me aback. And I don't even know what I said after that, <laughs> but I talk about it in the book because of this idea. First of all, I think we get what we give always. I think if we're feeling helpless, I think we should be helpful. I think if, if, if we're feeling unseen or unheard or unappreciated, 
The only remedy to that that I know of is to, and maybe it's at the Starbucks down the street, maybe it's, you know, at the temple, maybe it's wherever, but I think it's our job. If we're feeling unseen and heard and appreciated, I think the remedy for that is see someone else. Yes. Uh, appreciate someone else authentically, listen to someone else and really pay attention. And I really, I, I try to live my life that way. And so I talk about kind of that lesson in the, in believe it in the book as well. And I talk about how a lot of times what I realized is as women, right. As women, we actually kind of learn to bond over problems and to dim our own lights and because we feel like we'll belong, we won't be intimidating and we'll feel included and loved. So we bond over things like, oh, I can't fit into this dress or, oh, I'm a hot mess today or, oh my God. But like, we rarely bond over, oh my gosh, I just crushed it in my business today. <laughs> well, because we don't want to brag. We don't want to come off as, you know, braggy or conceited. Yeah, that's what we think it is because we're taught to think that way. Meanwhile, a lot of times men will be like, yeah, man, you crushed it in the, you know, whatever, in the gym or the football field, whatever it is. But women were taught to bond over problems. And I actually think that it's a way bigger thing because if you really think about it, We call it humble. We call it all those things. I made it on the Forbes richest self-made women's list. I hid it. I was embarrassed by it. I wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I wouldn't talk about it for three years. Um, Every time I was at a big event and they want to introduce me, I'd have them take it off of the intro or I hadn't changed the word from richest to most successful. And then I had this big, huge epiphany where I realized if we all keep dimming our lights, then we're not going to be the example that shows other little girls and women what's possible for them too, you know? And if we don't shine our successes and shine our own talents and shine our, our own confidence, if we dim them and call it humble, we're kind of teaching other girls and women to do the same. And so You know, I was raised by really beautiful, sold, well-intentioned, loving women who were also raised this way, which is dim your light, (laughs) call it humble, don't, or you're bragging. And I just realized, I don't think that's right. I'm not going to accept that anymore because there's so many women that I've seen because they let their light shine. I believed it was possible for me. And I want to not dim my light. And I don't want to inspire anyone else to do that either. So it was a big epiphany for me. I have to really put in the work of unlearning that yeah. even to this day. Yeah. You know, I just got the phone call that, that believe it is an, uh, on the New York Times bestseller list. Yay. I'm so glad you told me. Yes. You know what? Celebrate. <laughs> right. See? See, we're going to celebrate yes. each other. This is what all of us need to, yeah. right. Need to do this. And so I just think it's, yeah. I love so many of the topics. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Some of your questions are so oh, good because people don't talk about <laughs> these. Like they don't talk about these topics. Oh my gosh. Throughout your whole book, I was jotting down notes. Like I have so many more questions I want to ask you, but I know we're short on time. You have a big press tour you're doing with your New York Times bestselling book and your Bill and Dollar <laughs> company and your two adorable children. One other thing that we have in common besides building a business with our spouse, because my husband is also my co-founder and that is a whole nother We get to do a whole other episode on that. But I was also in Miss USA, fellow Miss USA contestant. And that I learned so much from that about competition, about rejection, about judging, about like knowing who you really are. Again, that's a whole other episode. 
But as you guys can see, Jamie is a light. She is incredible. You've got to check out her book. There's so many things in here we didn't get to touch on, including her incredible relationship with Oprah Winfrey and what a mentor she has been since when you were a little girl all through your career. And now you guys are actually working together. Jamie, I just have to ask you one question. When I told the the Mom Forest Facebook group, our community, that I was going to be interviewing you, the number one question people wanted me to ask is, what is your favorite product, your favorite It Cosmetic <laughs> product. Do you mind sharing with us? Do you have a favorite? It's like asking which baby's your favorite. Which child do you I love the most? I was going to say that because you have seven kids. It's like saying, which is your favorite? You probably have a yeah, one after. Well, you, you know, some <laughs> behave better than others sometimes. <laughs> oh, gosh. If I had to pick, that is so tough. But if I had to pick one, I would say the the It Cosmetics CC Cream. Yeah. I just think that there are so many days I do not want to spend more than 30 seconds getting ready. Today, I spent a little yeah, more time well, straightening it shows. my hair. You look fancy. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but most days, I'm like, uh-uh. I've got 30 seconds, maybe a minute tops. So the CC Cream, I love it because it's just that one thing and it's like skincare, yeah. SPF 50 and and full coverage. So I'd say the, the, the cosmetic CC cream. Yeah. If, I, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one. It's magic. So. It's magic. And so are you. Thank you so much, Jamie, for being with us today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group. And check out the show notes for a special chapbooks discount code. Until next time.